Are you there? 270.
Okay. Very good. Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, do be in prayer for the uh, tent meeting. We'll be setting the tent up Saturday morning. I think we'll start about 8 o'clock. Brother uh, Tony will be here to help us get that set up. And then we will be working on that, getting that ready. So uh, if you're able, uh, come help. If you're not able, come watch and just bark, bark orders and things like that. Brings, yeah, sledgehammers, and it's a good old time. Brother Earl, you ever put a tent up? Oh, good. Perfect. Oh, no, <laughs> he's reneging. He's backtracking that one. No, it'll be it'll be good. So Brother Rick will help us get it put up. Been sending out a lot of invites. We've got a lot of the uh, music uh, set up and uh, with uh, special music and things from a bunch of different churches coming and looking forward to that. I'm so looking forward to this meeting. And so be in prayer for it. Be inviting people. I've been, I've been, I took a photo of our uh, flyer and I've been email texting it out to people. So uh, if that works for you, do that. And uh, we'll be praying for the meeting, praying to see souls saved and uh, just lives get right with God again. Now, that'd be a great thing for our nation if Christians would just get right with God. That'd be a wonderful thing. And so we'll be praying that way. All right. Uh, we don't have a missionary letter tonight. And so we're going to go right into the message and get you home, hopefully, um, after 8 o'clock. So, yep. We are kind of kind of coming to a close here in Nehemiah. And we're in Nehemiah chapter 12 tonight. And uh, we are going to look at the subject of music. And uh, not really much more controversial in a lot of ways. Shouldn't be that controversial. Uh, but uh, it, uh, there's so many ideas and opinions and, and uh, things that people want with music, and it becomes kind of controversial at times. But uh, we're going to look at music tonight, and when we're talking about music, you know some of the things that come up, right? I mean, do, do you uh, use instruments or no instruments? Do you have drums or no drums? Well, we can, yeah, we can, that, one's, that one's easy, no drums. Uh, do you use hymns or choruses? Yeah, sure. Do you read, use the red hymnal or the gold hymnal? Well, our red ones have been packed away, right, because we're kind of here in the mood. So all we have are the gold ones. I mean, there's all sorts of things that come. Do you, have, do you have hymn books or do you put them on screens so you don't need hymn books? Or, you know, I mean, you could go on and on and on. Is it contemporary? Or is it old-fashioned, you know? Uh, how about this? Is it biblical? That's a good Amen. one. I like that one. And so the list could go on and on and on and on about music and what right music is. And uh, these questions are asked, and they are because really music is a serious matter. Um, I believe the Word of God proves out that music is a serious matter. God created us to sing, and He created us to... to um, to sing and to uh, praise Him and to worship Him and to commune with Him. I mean, there's not a greater way just to spend time alone with the Lord by singing. It's a wonderful thing. And singing the Word of God and things like that. Colossians 3.16, the Bible says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart as uh, to the Lord. Now notice this, that verse in Colossians 3.16 says this, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a command here, Right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns. That's interesting. It's a part of teaching. 
singing songs. I'm, I'm telling you what, Matt, most of these songs today, the contemporary songs, they don't teach you a thing. I mean, there's not a lick of doctrine in them. There's a, about an inch, an inch deep of, of theology, and they don't teach you anything. And so you look at some of these old hymns that we sing. Sometimes you've got to stop and read them a couple times and go, wow, that was deep. You know, I've got I to gotta think about that, you know. And they're, they're just, that's a wonderful thing. But it says to teach one another, uh, admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart as to the Lord. James 5.13, it says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any among you merry? Let him sing, sing psalms, right? And so it, it is easy to sing when you're happy, right? It, it really is. Uh, some of the most beautiful songs come out of the eastern block of Europe and in uh, and, their and tragedy and the way they have lived. And they're most so many of them written in the minor key because their life was not the joy. I mean, I tell you what, a lot of the uh, American hymns, a lot of the hymns uh, in, in America have so much more joy in them than those hymns in the in in Europe and some of those parts and and I've sung some of those and been a part of some of those beautiful just beautiful music always in a minor key always in a minor key and uh, it says here is any Mary let him sing psalms let him sing psalms the book of the psalms are a good thing to sing right because it, it kind of is a songbook right it really is David wrote most of that songbook. You know, did you know this, that God's creation sings? I mean, we know about us, but what about the rest of his creation? Remember in the book of Job, when Job, when God was, uh, was correcting Job, and he says, Job, where were you when I did this? Where were you when I created? Where were you when I made this and made that? And he says in verse 4, where was thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. And in verse 7, he goes on to say this. When, where, he was saying, where were you? Here it is. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. What was that? The morning stars sang together when God created them. That's, that's an awesome thought. It says the sons of God shouted for joy. The angels that God created shouted for joy. And his, listen, his creation sings. His creation sings. Hey, you know, I, I, think, I, I think the creation... His, his creation that has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus should never be outsung by any other of God's creation. We have something to sing about, right? There's an old song that written in the 70s. Remember this one? It says, there's a song holy angels cannot sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And what, how, what a truth that is. Uh, angels, whether they sing or not, we don't know. But we do know this. They don't, if they could sing, if they do sing songs, right? They don't sing what we sing. They don't know redemption. They don't understand that part of it. But God's creation sings. Hey, did you know this, that God sings? <laughs> did you know that? Yeah. You want proof? Zephaniah 3.17. I'm glad you asked. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with joy. Singing. Can you picture that? The God of heaven walks the halls of heaven singing about his kids. That's beautiful. Yeah. He loves you. He sings. He sings about us. 
It's a serious matter, music is. It really is. It absolutely is. And because uh, the one who created us with the ability to sing is the one who has commanded us to do so. Let me give you some verses for that. Psalm 98, 4. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All the earth make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. That's command. We've been commanded to sing. Psalm 100, verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Psalm 149, in verse 1, praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and His praise in the congregation of the saints. If all of the earth should be singing and rejoicing before God, again, how much more should we? Absolutely. And so there's many questions regarding proper music in the life of a believer. And I say this, in the life of a believer, not in the church, right? So, some people have a, have, have, a, um, have a music that they have for outside of church and then inside of church. Oh, we have our sacred music, but then we have the music that, uh, that we should have uh, outside of church. Um, if you're a member of a body, you're a member of a church, how do you get outside of church? What they mean is outside of assembly. The church assembles, right? Everybody who's been baptized in this body, you're a part of this church, and we assemble at different times, but we're always a part of this church. Uh, listen, there's no, we shouldn't have a line of music for when we assemble and a type of music for when we're in our car or by ourselves or, or when nobody's around, right? And uh, things like that. Amen. I mean, we should have the the same music wherever we're at, and it should be glorifying to God. It should all it should be about Him. Let me say this, and I might say it again later. But listen, don't ever forget this: God is the audience, not you and I. He's the audience, not us. It'll change your music. So many people look at their music of what it means to me, and and I'm thankful that music does mean wonderful things to us. But primarily, first and foremost, God is the audience. The question we must ask is, Lord, what do you what do you want? Right? Hold on, we all have opinions of music. Do you not think God does? <laughs> right? Do you think? So let's, I, I want to look at this a little bit tonight. And, and what we see here in Nehemiah is the children of Israel singing, but they're singing from victory. They've just they've come out of a, a building the wall and they are in a place of victory and they are singing from the place of victory. Now I, I'm, I'm going to bog us down just a minute here with some background of what's going on here in verse number twelve, Nehemiah chapter twelve, and would you look here? And what we have here in in verse one it says, "Now these are the priests and the Levites that went up with Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and, and Yeshua." Sariah, Jeremiah, Ezra, Amariah, Malach, Hattush, Shechaniah, Raham, Merimoth, Ido. You want me to keep going or are you just done? Okay, we're done. <laughs> yeah. So here, here, here in verses 1 through 11, we, we begin with the genealogy of priests and Levites. Now, verse 1 through 11 is what we would call group 1. These, are the, these were the priests and the Levites in the days of Zerubbabel. Okay? This was the first batch of priests and Levites that came back into Israel with Ezra right after the 70-year exile in Babylon was over. So they're still here. right? They've come up and they're still here. So this is group one. There's 22 names listed here. Now, the second is group two. And verses 12 through 21 shows you those. It says, And in the days of Joachim, 
were priests, the chief of the fathers of Sariah, Mariah, Jeremiah, Hananiah, of Ezra, Meshulam, Amariah, Jeho- uh, Jehohanan, and it goes on there, verses 12, all the way down to verse 21. And this is the list of all of the uh, juniors of the first list. This is their sons. So list number one, those that came out of Babylon uh, under Zerubbabel. Now list number two are all their children, all their sons that are now priests, right? These would be the priests of the second temple that was completed under Ezra. And so there are only 20 listed here, right? But then now there's a third group of priests, the and Levites. These came under the reign of Darius. Remember Daniel was in Babylon and remember Darius and all of those men. Well, this is under the reign of Darius. And we see these in verses 22 through 26. These were the third generation of priests of the second temple, right? Zerubbabel, generation one. Uh, the days of Jehoiakim, uh, generation number two, and then under the time of Darius, generation number three. So we have three generations of priests and Levites here in Jerusalem at this time. So what they're going to do now is the wall is completed. So now they are going to turn to dedicating the wall unto God. They are sanctifying it. Sanctify means to set apart. That's why in a church you have, you know, some don't like the, the term auditorium. They like to term it sanctuary. Why? Because it's been sanctified. It's been set apart for the worship and the praise and the singing and the preaching of God. And that's why we say, well, you know what? Let's not have any, let's not have any uh, drinks in here. Let's not have any food in here. Let's not have any running around and playing in here and get off the altars and don't do this and get out of the baptistry and right. And there's all of the, you know why? This is the sanctuary. We have set it apart and dedicated it for the purpose of the worship of our God. This is why we don't play certain things on our pianos and our instruments. I mean, listen, it's dedicated. It's sanctified for God. It's set apart. And this is what they're going to do with the wall. They're going to dedicate it unto God. It is saying, a wall? Dedicated? What could go on on a wall? Well, these walls were pretty big, you know, right? Yeah. Some of the walls in the ancient world, they ran uh, chariots. Sometimes they have chariot races on the top of them. These are pretty big, right? So, um, we, do you remember it with Jericho and Ahab, or uh, Jericho and Rahab? Where was her house? It was on the wall. Many times they built houses along the, on the walls. So this one was dedicated. You know, I bet you Rahab wouldn't have lived on this wall. It would have been sanctified and dedicated unto the Lord. So, so it's, not, uh, doesn't say, it's not too weird when you think about it, right? And so they wanted this thing dedicated unto God. So the first thing they do, we're going to jump down uh, verses 27 through uh, 29. They're going to gather together all of the Levites, uh, right? Group two, group three, they're all called up for the dedication. Look at verse 27, if you will. And let's uh, read this. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and with singing, with cymbals, psalteries, and harps. Okay, so they're getting them all together. And you notice they've got them all gathered together. Now look what they do in verse 30. Look at this verse 30. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves... And purified the people, and purified the gates, and the wall. Well, that's interesting. They wanted everything clean. But you notice the Levites 
were purified first. They, pur- they purified themselves before they could lead the people into praise to God. And I tell you, this is a great outline here, really it is, because it goes the same today, it really does, right? The, the preacher better be purified. The preacher better be clean before he can lead the people to being clean, right? The Sunday school teachers have better be clean and purified before they can lead their students to, to be pure and clean and purified before God. The musicians, the musicians had better be clean and purified. The deacons had better be clean and purified. I mean, listen, everybody's included in this, and it starts with those in authority. It starts with the leaders. They, they need to be uh, uh, purified themselves before they lead others into the worship of God. Why? Because true worship can only come from a clean life. I didn't say sinless. Right? I didn't say sinless. I said a clean and a pure life. What's that mean? Well, you know, for the child of God, sin comes. There's, but there's a difference between uh, uh, sinning, right, and, and living a lifestyle of sin. Yeah. And listen, the day-to-day struggles and battles we go through... Uh, we all sin, right? So what does it mean to have a purified life? To, to deal with them immediately when the Holy Spirit convicts right. and, and confess them and deal with them exact, immediately when they come up. So true worship, it can only come from a clean life. How do you know this? Listen to Psalm 24, who, verse 3 and 4. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. And uh, those are the ones who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, who shall stand in his holy place. Clean. Clean. And I'm thankful because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's possible. We can stand before our Father uh, clean and pure. But after the Levites were purified, verse 30, we just read this, the people were purified. Right? From the person in the pew to the priest at the top, God demands a clean life for those who are going to worship Him. I tell you what, this is, we know this. Uh, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, I know that. But this is not preached today. Holiness is not preached today. Separation is not preached today. Why? It doesn't build the biggest place. Right. It really doesn't. I understand we have people uh, coming to Christ that are in, they are in, in such a place that it takes a lot of discipleship to get them to, to, a, to a biblical place. It's not like 30 years ago when a lot of society, or maybe I should go back to 40 years ago, 50 years ago, when a lot of society um, uh, had some semblance of a of a clean life in one way or another. It wasn't too hard to get people to to a right place. But boy, today we're coming in. I mean, just atheism is deep, 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 deep. Not just you know. I mean, it's just deep. I mean, some of these uh, philosophies and uh, you know cult backgrounds and everything else. It's it's, it's really crazy. But uh, God demands a clean life. He demands us to have a clean life. So watch this now. Here again, back to verse 30, notice this now. After the priests were cleansed, after the people were cleansed, the surroundings were cleansed. The gates and the walls. Yeah. Can I tell you this tonight? It is hard to walk in purity when your surroundings aren't pure. Yeah. When the home isn't pure, when the office isn't pure, 
when the automobile isn't pure, when the minds aren't pure, when, the, when your entertainment isn't pure. Listen, if your surroundings haven't been cleansed, you're going to have a hard time walking. And I tell you, that is a great place to start. Not only with you start begin with the heart, right, and getting the heart right, but then you start cleaning up the surroundings. Because you know what? They'll attack every time. They, they, will, make it, they will make it difficult. If you want purity in your life, you're going to have to build purity in your surroundings. And it takes work. It takes work to clean out stuff and to change things. So here they are. They're preparing for a dedication, and it, which is going to include, it says here, is singing and thanksgiving. Right? Singing and thanksgiving. Do you know when you're not living a pure life, when you're not living a godly life, when you're not, let me say it this way, when you're not walking in the Spirit, your singing praises is confusion. It's confusion. Because you're singing what you're not living. Right? You're singing what you're not living. And so purity is necessary. So you notice the first steps before the singing ever starts, before the musicians ever get going, before the instruments are ever tuned up, they are cleaning. They're cleaning up their life. They're making sure they're, obviously, how do you do that? Well, you're, you're going before God as we do today and say, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me, right? Try my heart. Look at me. Watch me. Look at me. Find out what's wrong in me. Show it to me so I can confess it. You know, that ought to be our practice before we ever show up on any gathering of any service, whether it's Wednesday night or Sunday school or Sunday morning or Sunday night or a revival service coming up. I'm telling you what, we ought to, before we ever show up here, the time we have to pray before the preaching starts ought to be a time of saying, God, search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. I don't want anything that's undone uh, to, to, to come along before we come to a place of worship and singing and praise and preaching and all of these things. And this is what they did first. They cleaned up first, right? And then finally, the Levites purified themselves. They purified the people, their surroundings. Notice what's next in the dedication. Verse 31. Then I brought up the princes of Judah upon the wall and appointed two great companies of them that gave thanks, whereof one went on the right hand upon the wall toward the dung gate, and after them went Hoshaiah and half of the princes of Judah, and Azariah, Ezra, and Meshulam, Judah, and Benjamin, and Shemaiah, and Jeremiah, certain of the priest's sons with trumpets, namely Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mattathiah, and the son of Micaiah, the son of Zachar, the son of Asaph. And you can go down here, read all the way down to verse 34. And it seems like we have two large choirs. It's funny that they're up on the wall. People are down below. Talk about an elevated choir. That thing's up there, right? They've got the instruments. It's like you have your orchestra and you have your choir. There you are. Getting ready to sing. Why? For Thanksgiving. The music's coming. It's a part of Thanksgiving, right? Listen, friend. Thanksgiving is one one of the strongest elements of praise is thanksgiving right so we're to, we're to do everything with thanksgiving right we're, we're to be give thanks for all things the bible says in everything absolutely so we see there's two large choirs verse 36 there's instruments and and i want you to show you i want i really want to spend just a second here i want you to notice this look at verse 36 
and his brethren Shemaiah and Azrael, uh, Milalai, uh, Gilalai, Mai, Nethaniel, and Judah, Hanani, with the musical instruments. Now watch this here. With the musical instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra, the scribe, before them. The instruments of David, the man of God. Do you know David made specific instruments for the worship of God? He didn't go out and, hear, hey, let, let, me, let me say this. We don't have any record at all, definitely not, that they, anybody said, wow, I like that instrument that Philistine came up with. Let's use that one. Could you imagine any Israelite bringing in an instrument of the Philistines? Doesn't make sense, does it? Yet churches do it all the time today. Yeah. The electric, an electric guitar, friend, that had no place in a church anywhere. I know somebody's going to say, oh, one time they didn't like violins in the church. Whatever. It's not true. Yeah. But there's some instruments that they, listen, the instruments, watch, the instruments of David, the man of God. It was, this was a time of David's life, in, uh, you know, in, in, in a, obviously a good time of his life, not, not during the bad time. But uh, even in the bad time, he wrote some beautiful psalms that God inspired, that God, they were from God. But anyway, the instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra the scribe before them. Yeah. They were made on purpose and they're made for God. And time and again, watch this, over and over again, when Israel would get away from God, and then when they got back right with God, it was inevitable. I believe it's maybe over in a, either in the, in the revival under Hezekiah or maybe Josiah, one of those. I'd have to look them up again. But the same thing is mentioned again. They did the same thing. They went and got the instruments of David, the, the, the man of God. And you've got to realize at this point, at this point here, we're talking instruments from 550 years ago. Not from us, from their time. Under... Um, under Hezekiah, I believe it was, it would have been over 250 years earlier. No, we're talking old instruments. Why did they go back so far? Because they were instruments dedicated to God. From the man of God. For the purpose of worshiping God. Right? They had a purpose in them. And, uh, and we saw it over when Israel got right with God. Watch, their music got right too. Their music went back to the place when it was the same music with the same instruments when Israel was right with God. What am I saying? Listen, your walk with God matters. It matters in your music. I'm telling you what, there's a lot of music out there. Did you see what the Gaithers are doing? I hope there's not too many Gaither lovers in here. They're going to sing... They're doing a con. They're doing. A, I don't know if they did it or not yet, but they're doing a concert uh, with with Kenneth Copeland. Oh my goodness! An absolute demon possessed heretic. Right. Yeah. Word of faith. He blew COVID away. Don't you remember that one? Right. But COVID be gone. He had that power in his. You know, blew it away. Except he didn't. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Total charlatan. Total heretic. Gaithers are going along, doing a nice concert in his church. Yep. Your walk with God matters. It absolutely matters. I want you to show something, though, that 
something else here. Look at verse 42. We looked at the choirs. We're looking at the instruments there. The instruments of the man of God. David, the man of God, brought all of those back, right? Look at this in verse 42. <clears throat> Let me find it. Uh, and uh, Messiah and Shimei and Eli, uh, Eliezer and uh, Uzai and Johanan and Malchiah and Elam and Ezer and the singers sang What's that next word? Loud. Loud. They sang loud with uh, Jeriah, their overseer. They had a choir director. Yep. What did they do? They sang loud. I'm going to tell you tonight, volume matters. Why? Because volume is, is, is revealing. I understand you're not going to sing holy, 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 like holy, holy, you know, you know that's a little in, in, inappropriate, right? Yeah. But I'm telling you what, some people, I, I especially in the old building when I was up here a lot and, and somebody else was leading and I'm watching and it's like, man, it was like, it's like, man, what a happy song. Victory in Jesus, my <sighs> sought me and bought me. No, there's something spiritually wrong with that. Amen. There absolutely is. When you talk about victory in Christ, either you're so carnal and backslidden, you're not living in that victory and it doesn't mean anything to you, or, or maybe you ought to get saved. I don't know. I'm not going to. But my goodness. No, I understand we all have bad days once in a while come into church with a load, load, load of care on you and things like that. But I don't know. Uh, you know, the Bible says that, uh, you know, a, a, a song, Merry Heart Doeth Good Like a Medicine. It's amazing what can happen with, with the right music. Volume matters. The happier somebody is, the louder they get. Right? I got to be awful happy. Yeah. Remember Jude walked out of church one morning. He was probably, what was he, probably five, six or seven maybe. This uh, Jude and he said, "What were you yelling about up there?" <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard of a quiet winning team? Yeah, right. Right. When those when that American soccer team, all those lesbians just lost in the World Cup. Amen. Yeah. When they had just lost, should I have said that? Yes. Is that recorded? Amen. <laughs> yeah. What? When, when? Did they walk off loud? I don't know. I didn't see it, but I, I imagine they didn't. Right, I saw a photo in the news of one of them, like, you know, right? Yeah, no, no. Listen, the, the, the there's no such thing as a quiet winning team. There's no such why, why? Because the joy of winning. I mean, we like to win, right? Hey, uh, you know, have you ever heard of a, a loud and a raucous losing team? Yeah, you see the end of the Super Bowl, and one team is like Rah! going crazy, and the losing team's like, Rah! you know, it's like no. They're like bawling like babies on the side. They're calling their mom. You know, I don't know what happened, mom. You know, I mean, it's just like they're quiet and sulking off, you know, right? Right. Losers don't run around excited in life. Why? Because they're losers, right? Right. But winners do, right? W winners are happy. They're excited. They get a little loud sometimes. Why, did this, why, why are the Jews singing loudly? Because they've won. They're living from victory. The wall is complete. The temple is complete. They're out of the bondage. They're out of the, you know, from ba they're back from Babylon. They're enemies of loss. And the wall got built. There was something to get loud about. But hold on a minute. 
These Jews won, but so have we. No, listen, we have won. We are winners. Uh, you know, not the kind that, you know, Joel Osteen talks about, but we are, we are winners in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know what the back of the book says. We know that the war has been won. No matter what skirmish you're going through today, no matter what battle, no matter what battle you're, you're fighting today, no matter how much of the world you're fighting today, listen, at the end of it all, they are just battles and skirmishes because the war is already over. It's won, right? So we're, watch, we're fighting from victory. We're not fighting, hoping to win. We're winners already. We're more than conquerors, right? Volume. This is why they had the volume. This is why they were allowed. Okay. So what do you do? You've won. What do you do? Well, sing like you're a winner, <laughs> right? If you had to sing a song about a raise you just got at work, you know, a 50% raise, how would you sing that? <laughs> I got a raise. I got a... Yeah. You're calling people. You're telling people about it. Right? Yeah. Notice why they sang loud. Look at verse 43. God made them rejoice. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The wives also and the children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. God made them rejoice. Why? God was the one who helped them build. God was the one who gave them the victory. God was the one who protected them from the from their enemies. God was the one who they got right with and who they confessed their sin to. When it, it was they, they began to study their Bible. They began to, to obey what they had read. No, there's great victory going on here and they're winning. They're winning. And when people win they rejoice. They rejoice. Sometimes. Ninth grade football, we were coming back from a loss on the school bus, and we were just having a great time, yucking it up and having a wonderful time. <laughs> we just lost. Um, we were quiet when we got back because the coach stood up and absolutely destroyed us for about 20 minutes for being so happy at losing. <laughs> so he did temper that a little bit, okay? What am I saying? Losers don't normally rejoice. Right? Not normally. They did it loudly. Look at this. It was heard a long way off. See that? It was heard a long way off. Can I tell you, singing is a great witnessing tool. You know, when the lost come into this building and we sing like we've lost, that's not a very good testimony to the lost. They can get that out there. Actually, they can go to the bar and have a lot more fun and have a lot more uh, fake winning at a bar, right? And what a shame it is that they can have more excitement there than they ever come in here. Yeah. It's a great witnessing tool. Yeah. The world's miserable, they're miserable. They're trying to make life work without God. It's not possible. And uh, I think the lost, the lost should see our joy. They should notice if they ever wandered into one of our church services, they should go, well, I don't know if I believe it or not, but I know they believe it. Yeah. We invited a lady to church one time out in Oklahoma City uh, when we lived out there, went to Southwest, and 
that school teacher, I don't know if you remember that, and uh, she had come with us. We were sitting up in the balcony, and she's just watching. You know, there's a couple thousand people in there, and she's just watching. And she said this, well, everybody looks happy. Yep. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yep. One of the guys, there was a man there at that church uh, for a while. The, the, the story I got was living out, or not living, he was, he was pulling up on the parking lot and listening to the service from his van. He didn't want to go into the church. For weeks he did this. And finally, the ushers started just bringing him out a bulletin every week, out to his van. You know, he didn't want to come in, didn't want to come in, didn't want to come in. Finally, one Sunday he came in, walked the aisle and got saved. Yeah. You know what he said? He goes, I, I was just watching the people week after week after week coming in and out of this place. And, and they had joy. They had happiness. He, yep. He's just watching. I'm telling you, it's powerful. It is a powerful thing. And if you can't have the joy in your singing and the joy in your life, you need to get your heart right with God because something's wrong. Because it actually, watch this, if if everything's right, it's the most natural thing. You can't contain it, right? You just can't. Absolutely not. It 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 was so loud, it was heard a long way off. I just told you about a church in Oklahoma City. That's about 280 miles away. How far off is our church known? Or is it? Yeah. Four, hours, four hours away, and I'm t- we're talking about it. Right? What, what would be said of our church, and how far would it get? Yeah. It's a good thought. Verse 43. Notice this again. The rejoicing was for all. It was for all. Yeah. The wives also and the children rejoiced. They were all, listen, everybody was involved. It wasn't just the choir. Right? They were, they were all rejoicing. They were all singing. They all enjoyed it. It's for everybody. Oh, I don't sing. I'm just not a singer. I bet you are. Okay, I know. There's probably a few that aren't, but come on. I say this. Proverbs 29, the Bible says the righteous doth sing and rejoice. Yep. Well, you notice one more thing, and we're gonna, two more things, we're going to be done. Verse 45, praise and thanksgiving was protected. Look at this verse 45. And both the singers and the porters kept the ward of their God and the ward of the purification according to the commandment of David and Solomon his son. This is old, right? That word kept means, that word keep means to protect or to guard. The word ward there means obligation or service. Their service, their obligation. Watch, they protected their obligation of ministry and they protected their obligation of purification. What does it mean? They took it serious. This was a serious job. They had a very huge role to play within this congregation. And I'm telling you, if you had a choir, if you had special music, if you had people that are musicians in the church, it, it needs to be taken seriously. In what way? Seriously, in a spiritual way, right? In a spiritual way. Yeah. 
the life has to the life needs to match what the singing is right let me go let me finish with this one verse 47 and all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and the days of Nehemiah gave the portions of the singers and the porters every day his portion and they sanctified holy things unto the Levites and the Levites sanctified them unto the children of Aaron. The singers were supported so their ministry could go on. Yeah. This wasn't just a one-time event. This, this, I mean, it was a one-time event, the dedication. But this whole ministry of the music in the church was an ongoing thing and it was to be a continual pattern of their life this whole thing of music you know I, I think music's pretty important to God don't you hold on a minute it's so important that one of the last things that Jesus did with his church before the crucifixion is they took the supper and then they went out and sang in him it's pretty powerful So what am I saying tonight for us tonight at Crimson Avenue Baptist Church? Music is not a filler. It's just not something we do to kick a service off. It, 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 is, it, is, it is not about what we want. It's not a tool to grow your church. Well, if we just had this or changed this or did that, more people would, would come in. Well, that's not why we sing what we sing. People may think it is. Well, you just want one of them old-fashioned churches... Well, no, I mean, there's new songs that are great biblical doctrinal songs and nothing wrong with them, right? And I don't have time to even get into the actual instrumental music part of it and uh, in, the, in, in the worldliness of some of that that you have to be careful of. But it's not a tool to just to grow your church. Music's not to reach the lost. I remember years ago uh, that she was real popular. It was her name, Amy Grant began to change her music so she could reach the world so my music could get put on secular radio and then people would hear about God. Well, I think that's the job of preaching in the church, right? And the, and the role of the church is to get out in the highways and hedges. And, of course, you, you see where she has gone. I think one of the last things I ever saw about her was her uh, some gay affirming thing going on with her rainbow whatever and... Uh, Tell you what, you start start that slope. You know, it is. It is. Music's serious. Yeah. We ought to sing like we believe what we're singing. Right. We ought, we ought to sing that way. And we ought, we, ought to not, we ought to never forget that God is the audience. God is the audience. We, we should, you know what, testimony should never come out of our church. Oh, the people are great and everything's wonderful and the people are friendly and I love all every that. Oh, singing's kind of rough though. The music kind of sounds like a nursing home. What? Yeah. May we never have that testimony. May we never. Why? Because it's a serious thing. It is. We need to take it seriously. And uh, may God help us. May God help us. It begins with us individually. If everybody assembling in the body has got them is in a, in a in the relationship with God is 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 in a a uh, I'm losing words here is in a um, the relationship with God is right and they're right with God it'll affect everything else right? it, and it needs to start there right? 
And uh, let's be uh, let's be conscientious, and let's be um, um, intentional about all of our music. Amen. Lord, thank you tonight. Thank you for music. Thank you for creating us to sing. And then, Lord, I thank you that you have given us a reason to sing. And I pray that you would help us, that we would sing from the depths of our heart and, and, uh, and that you would be glorified in it, that the lost world would hear it, that uh, it would be ministering to one another and in this church. And, Father, you'd be uh, pleased with it. And we pray you'd just help us in that. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Instrument's going to play, and I don't know how the Lord has spoken to you in this message tonight. And uh, why don't we stand and just have a quick, just a moment for invitation and however you need to spend time with the Lord. Been having trouble singing lately? Has your heart been away from the Lord? There's been some areas of disobedience and you just haven't been able to sing. Why don't you get that right tonight with the Lord? All right, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer and get, get right home and miss the tornado. So, can't you hear it? <laughs> so, God bless you for venturing out tonight. And good to see everybody here. Be praying tomorrow night. It's the visitation. And we've got several visits to make. And, uh, oh, I've got to pick up our new tracks. They're still up.